In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What a glorious feast day we celebrate today here at the Feast of All Saints. Before we get started with our Lord's instruction to us today, I'd like you to get your bulletins and please turn to the front the icon. The icon, once again, as it is in the church always, the icons are so wonderfully helpful for the teaching of the truths of our revealed faith, the revealed Son of God, the Godhead, us as His church, all of us. And, oh, my friends, also, by the grace of God, the icons give us a window into those realities. And I pray somehow, I've been praying through this all week, as I've just looked and looked and looked at this icon and thought about what our Lord is showing us and revealing to us on Blessed All Saints Day. And I pray that His grace will be with us for that icon to truly become a window through which we do get to see what is being presented to us and for us because it's about every single one of us. And then what we'll see today is both incredible in wonder and it's great in encouragement and it's also very great in exhortation for us today. The intro that we began with the Mass with, that the choir sang, it's a statement about the wonder of all the saints. Those who our Lord Jesus Christ has gathered to himself, all of the saints eternal. And that's what we celebrate today. The words of the intro today in the Mass are these. Rejoice we all in the Lord, keeping feast day in holy honor of all the saints, in whose solemnity the angels rejoice and glorify the Son of God. Now, if you go too quickly over those words, you'll simply say, well, okay, the, the, the angels are rejoicing over all the saints. Well, that's true. But it says specifically something they're rejoicing over, something that confounds them, perplexes them, and yet wells up within the angelic host great praise to offer God. Look at what it says. It says, keeping feast day in honor of all the saints in whose solemnity the angels rejoice. What does that mean? It means that when the angels look upon the vastness and countless number of souls, they see two things. They see the full extent to which the word of God who has existed with them throughout all eternity. The full extent through which the word of God went to to save all of those souls and their solemnity, the solemnity of the people of God is this. It's their dignity being restored. What are the angels rejoicing in? They know what we were when we were born with the effects of the fall of man. And they see in heaven what we have become because of the Son of God. You know what they're rejoicing over? Theosis. They are rejoicing over the reality that all of these who were so apart from God and lived so differently from God have had the dignity of their original creation restored to them. And the angels look upon all of us and all those in heaven who are in Christ and they see what we have now, I say that, and I almost just want to stop there and have silence for 30 minutes so you can think about that. How wondrous is the work and the might of salvation of our Lord Jesus Christ for us that perplexes the angels he created. Allow me to read to you just snippets. 
epistle reading today, today from the revelation given to the Apostle St. John. It's from chapter 7. And remember what that revelation is. It was a book written, a revelation given for churches in that day. But it was also one in which the Lord gives the Apostle John a vision of literally the veil being pulled away and he sees what's on that icon. He sees all the glorious saints in heaven with their glorious Lord Jesus Christ on his throne and in his robe dipped in blood, as you heard read. They see all, the Apostle John sees all of these things and communicates them to us. Look at your icon while I read this. I begin in verse 9 of Revelation chapter 7. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number. All of nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, that's their dignity restored, white robes, and palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And then I skip down to verse 16. Listen to how it describes the paradise that they are in. They shall neither hunger nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat, for the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters. And all of you here today who are currently suffering emotionally, physically, spiritually, and those of us who have suffered in any of those ways, which means all of you, listen to this. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The sufferings of this life this ever so temporary vapor of light in this wilderness of life that we go through, they come to an end in Christ. There is a time, everlasting eternity, and there is a place in the presence of the King of kings and Lord of lords that there will be no weight upon his people. There will be no burden upon his people. His people will be free of suffering and agony and tears of pain and anguish. It will be put aside eternally. The offertory sentence that you're going to hear sung by the choir in just a few short moments continues with that thought when it says, The souls of the righteous are in the hand of God, and there shall no torment touch them. In the sight of the unwise they seem to die, but they are in peace. We need to see revealed to us a few of these truths based on this reality today that we see revealed to us by God through his church in this blessed icon that we have today of all saints. So allow me to touch on just a few of these points. For the first one, I ask you to look at the very bottom of the icon. The very bottom of the icon. On the bottom left, you see a man holding a child with many behind him. In reality, this is Abraham holding the saint to his bosom, and all of them to his bosom. If you want to know where that comes from, that comes from the parable.
ignored Lazarus who was right outside of his gate every day. Lazarus suffered immensely all of the days of his life. But then when Lazarus passed on, where was he taken? It says to the bosom of Abraham. And it said he was relieved of all his suffering. All the sufferings of, of this life were wiped away. And he was held to the bosom of Abraham. Paradise everlasting. Look at the bottom right corner of the icon. And you will see Jacob. And this is Jacob, and in the cloth, you will see, it's hard to see in the small print, but you will see 12 heads, 12 people, 12 saints, so to speak. What it is, the representation of the 12 tribes of Israel, showing that everything above that you're seeing in that icon, everything above is the fulfillment of Israel, that the church of our Lord Jesus Christ because of his life, death, resurrection, ascension, and outpouring of his Holy Spirit. All of them are complete. We are the completion of Israel, and this is paradise. Look in the middle at the bottom. And you'll see someone bearing a cross. This is the thief who was crucified next to our Lord Jesus Christ. Who, when he was about to pass and in such anguish, looked at Jesus on the cross right next to him and said, Remember me, O Lord, in your kingdom. And what? over a murderer's life. He looks at him and says, today you will be with me in paradise. What I want to show you is this as we continue on. This is showing us that everything above is paradise. But fix your eyes on the cross. Because the cross is central to the paradise that has been granted. Everything possible these tears being wiped away, the suffering gone, the unspeakable joys we'll see in just a moment. All of these made possible by the Lamb of God on the cross. We see Jesus even say this about the kingdom of God in two Gospels. In the Gospel of St. Luke, in chapter 13, verse 18, he said, What is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a mustard seed which a man took and put in his garden. And we know the mustard seed, when any seed, when it goes into the ground, dies. And when it dies, it bears life that springs up. And it grew and became a large tree, he said, and the birds of the air nested in its branches. In the Gospel of St. John, in chapter 12, verse 23, our Lord Jesus Christ, answering them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it produces much grain. The icon, my friends, shows us why all of the saints in heaven are proclaiming that salvation belongs to our God and specifically to the Lamb, the Lamb of God who is on that cross. For Christ our God is the mustard seed that died, and from his death, look at the paradise that blossomed. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the grain of wheat that was put into the ground, and when it died, paradise and unspeakable joys, where sorrow is carried away, is born and kept eternally by him. And we remember this. We put Christ front and center on this blessed day of the celebration of his saints. Because all the saints in heaven are proclaiming that everything we're experiencing here is because of him. So unto him be all glory and not unto us. I show you one more thing today in the icon. Another noticeable reality that we're to see. 
Now we look up into paradise itself. And you see all of the saints in heaven, remember, ten thousands upon ten thousands, too numerous to even count because of the love and mercy of God, because they stayed with him. They followed him. You'll see that all of that blessed fellowship of the saints, who is it centered around? Our Lord Jesus Christ, right in the middle. And what the church teaches us, this is showing us, is that the saints of God in heaven now have, because there is no flesh to separate us, they are now granted perfect. We have communion here with the perfect presence of God. But there it will be fully realized. There will be no need for little bread hosts. Because we will fellowship with the bread of life himself. We will see him as those disciples saw the resurrected Jesus glorified, but still with flesh and bones and the scars of his great sacrifice. And we will be in love with him and he will love us and we will enjoy that fellowship of love. But now look at the saints. I've never seen this before until the church showed me this week when I looked at it. I want you to notice their heads, their faces. Many of them are facing our Lord Jesus Christ because that is that expression of the experience of the perfect fellowship of the saints with their Lord. But do you notice that many of them are facing one another? Why? Because in paradise, once again, no more flesh between us. As much as we enjoy fellowship with here, we are prone to accidentally hurt one another from time to time not be perfect for one another, not serve one another perfectly from time to time. But when we are granted paradise, our love for one another is going to be perfected. And not only will we enjoy the blessedness of the perfect fellowship with our Lord Jesus Christ, we will enjoy God's perfected love in us, shed, shared one to another. Wondrously, perfectly, with joy, all the rest of our days. This is why the collect prayer of the day that you heard prayed, remember that collects our main thought for the Mass, talks about that fellowship. It says, Almighty God, who has knit together thine elect in one communion and fellowship in the mystical body of thy Son, Christ our Lord, grant us so to follow thy blessed saints in all virtuous and godly living. Listen to the reception of what we get for doing so. That we may come to those unspeakable joys which thou hast prepared for those who unfeignedly love thee. My friends, the kingdom of God and the reality and the experience of the kingdom of God is a kingdom of unspeakable joys eternal where suffering and sorrow have even been that's what's being shown to us today. And I look at this icon, and I tell you, I grow. When I look at this icon, and I give thoughts, even as I'm speaking to you, as I give thought to these words, great anticipation builds in me for what God is describing and revealing to us today. I want the joy, and my heart yearns for suffering and tears that I experience and that you experience to be taken away by the hand of Christ, wiped away by the Son of God. And as equally, 
I want every one of us to be found faithful in Christ so that we all get to experience this together. I want to experience that joy with you. I want to experience that. But notice what the college says, and here's the exhortation for us in closing. It says, and Scripture talks about this greatly, that this paradise of unspeakable joys is prepared for those who unfeignedly love God. What does that mean? With absolute sincerity, with wholeheartedness, with the offering of their entire self, they over the course of their life more and more are given over to love God. And how does Jesus say we love God? He says, those who love me, follow me. Those who love me, obey my commands. They hear my voice and they respond to it. We're given this brief time on earth. And we've been given the Holy Spirit for all the grace that we need for God dwells within us. And we have been given the community of faith in Christ's holy church. For all of this, using that grace to be the very, as the fathers say, gymnasium of love. This is our opportunity right now to have our love purified for God. That we love Him with all our heart, soul, and mind. How? By giving ourselves over to Him more and more all the days of our life. And our love for Him will be purified by doing so, by His touch in our lives. And it is a time for us to become loved one to another, a time to begin and continue to grow in preferring one another above ourselves, to become living vessels of the outpouring of mercy one to another when we probably don't deserve to receive the mercy from our brother and sisters. It's a time for us to become the very long-suffering of God who, believe me, is long-suffering with all of our souls, and to become that one for another. My friends, I promise you this, if we will let this vision of paradise that we're being given today, and I pray a greater vision over the course of our lives of the truth beyond the veil, I pray that it will spur us on to press into Christ, surround ourselves even more with one another so that love can be perfected in us. And if we will do that, my friends, we'll experience what this blessed icon shows, not in written, instructive picture, but in realized reality for all eternity. In the name of the Father and of the Son.